In the latest episode of today's podcast, we witness a groundbreaking collaboration between an Indian scholar and a distinguished Chinese scholar. Listeners can look forward to a rich and enlightening conversation that transcends borders and contributes to the global discourse on the subject at hand. Hello, welcome to Text to Task, Simplifying Education podcast, your gateway to understanding the ever-evolving world of education. I'm your host Kargi from India and today we have an exciting episode lined up for you. As we delve into the current and future landscape of Chinese education, but we won't stop there. We'll also explore how we can navigate the complex world of parenting and learning and thrive both academically and personally. Remember to subscribe and share for daily updates. Follow me on Instagram at Gargi Speaks. China's education system has always been a subject of fascination and debate, known for its rigorous standards and intense competition. In recent years, we have witnessed significant transformations in Chinese education, driven by technological advancements and a focus on holistic development. From innovative teaching methods to the integration of emerging technologies, China is preparing students for a rapidly changing world. I'm excited to have Dr. Jun Wei of Tsinghua University, Beijing, joining us today. He will share his wisdom and experiences and shed light on the latest trends in Chinese education. Dr. Jun Wei, an assistant professor and PhD supervisor at the Institute of Education, Tsinghua University, specializes in researching the complex interplay between socialization processes such as parenting and teaching practices and personal attributes including self-concept, self-worth and self-regulation. His primary focus lies in investigating the effects of these factors on the academic and emotional well-being of young individuals. Dr. Wei is widely recognized for his expertise in this field and holds a position as an editorial board member for the esteemed SSCI Journal, the International Journal of Educational Research. Furthermore, he actively contributes to the academic community by serving as an ad hoc reviewer for renowned academic journals. Dear Professor Wei Jun, we are so grateful that you are here with us today. Your knowledge and research on crucial contemporary topics are really impressive. Thank you for joining us and we are delighted to have you as our guest. We are excited to hear what you have to share and learn from your valuable insights. Hello, Kaki. Yeah, uh, it's my honor and I'm very happy to uh, attend the, your podcast to share some of my ideas about Chinese education and have we have more communi- communication online. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. I would like to begin by asking you a few questions regarding China. So what are the current trends in education within China? Um, I think the, the biggest uh, current trend in China is about the, our national education policy, which, which is to empower the nation with education. Um, so um, our government pres- uh, president Xi Jinping uh, highly, highly emphasize the importance of providing uh, high quality talents to support our social and economic growth. So education plays a big role in this part. So 
we need our、uh, we need to improve our education to to cultivate more excellent,、uh, more diversified talents. Yeah, so so that's very important. So and、uh, from、uh, from the process of our educational development, I think we have、uh, to some extent achieved the educational equity, which means that every children in China has the chance, has the opportunity to receive education, and the the, the rate of the implementation of our compulsory education. Like reached nearly 100 percent. It's it's like 98 or 99 percent. So which means every child have the chance to receive education. So our next the next step for Chinese education is to、uh, to improve our quality of education. So which because nowadays、um, uh, the the fact is that we still have big、uh, big difference、uh, in the education quality across different areas and regions in China. Like in the east part of China, the 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 economic development is is better, so the education is also better. But in some like、uh, middle or western part of China, the education is like is of、uh, lower quality, of quality. And there is、uh, there is also a、uh, apparent difference between the urban and the rural schools. So the the rural schools in in China normally they have lower qualities, and the, the teachers. Uh, their teachers are also less competent than the teachers from the urban areas because the teachers in rural areas they get lower payment and、uh, they have less much much less opportunity to develop their professional skills. So the better teachers they they are very naturally they will move to the urban areas. So so our next step is to improve the the quality of education or、uh, across the regions. Yeah, so so I think that's the big big trend, and some some、uh, more specific trends of Chinese education. I think there are three or four、uh, direction, directions. I will simply、uh, simply mention them. One is about the online and blended learning. Online, but like like we know we do the podcast online, so internet、um, benefit education a lot as well. So especially for、uh, one way for us to. Uh, to to better improve the quality of education in some rural or less developed areas, we we now use some online learning technologies, like the 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 students、uh, sitting in the rural classrooms, they can have the access to some classrooms in the urban areas in some urban schools and good school excellent schools. So, so the some excellent teachers they can can give lessons. Also directly via the internet to those, those rural children. So that's one way that we to better achieve our educational equity. So the online and the blended learning. And、uh, another direction is about the STEM or STEAM education, like science, technology, engineering, arts, mathematics. This this disciplines education because that is a very、uh, is gaining importance in China because the government has placed a strong emphasis on. On promoting the STEM-related subjects, because the technology development for China is is really important nowadays. Because the some Western countries that put some unfair rest restrictions of the technology to China, so we need to have our own talents. We have need to master those technologies by our own country. So we we、uh, we value the STEM education a lot more nowadays, and.、Uh, 
another direction is about the vocational education in China because um, our the industry, industrial and the economic development, we need diversified kinds of talents in different areas, in different industries. But nowadays, we uh, our vocational education is like uh, is apparently of lower quality than the higher education. So we need we need to have more uh, blue collar workers, and we need to have more uh, excellent engineers, engineers. But but this uh, this part we we are lag lagging behind. So we we are doing uh, making more efforts to improve our vocational education. Yes, and yeah, I think. These are some some direction and trends in education within China. Okay. So, which types of technology are commonly utilized in education in China? <clears throat> okay, so uh, China nowadays have made a significant advancement in integrating technology into education. So, several types of technology are commonly are commonly utilized in education. Uh, for instance, the smart classrooms. Uh, so, which are equipped with multimedia devices such as the interactive whiteboards, projectors, and audio systems. So, these classrooms facilitate some inter interactive teaching methods, like the, the teachers can play some videos in their lessons, right? And uh, uh, they can have more interactions with their with the students with students, like in our uh, university classrooms. Students can send some messages uh, to send to to the uh, to post it in the screen. So so they can send messages when when, when teachers are giving the lessons, and they can send send some messages to give their feedback on the screen, so everybody can see it. That's a very uh, modern way of teacher-student interaction. So there's the smart classrooms, and we also have more advanced online learning platforms online learning like uh, maybe yeah, the, the schools in, in the western countries or india you uh, like to use zoom right but we have our own chinese room we can call it like with other companies like decent decent uh, meeting meeting apps and uh, we have uh, and many kinds of uh, online platforms so, so <clears throat> especially due to the the pandemic, the pandemic. So, uh, the this part of online learning platforms developed quickly, and uh, it is becoming more and more uh, convenient for teachers to give lessons via so these online online learning platforms. And uh, even after the pandemic, uh, sometimes we use such kind of um, online learning platforms to to give some uh, off off uh, off school uh, tutoring programs. And we like so uh, students, teachers provide some personal, uh, personal help support to to students via the online. So it's, it it makes the education much more uh, easier, right? So so I think these are the major types of technology utilized in Chinese education. Okay. Thank you for your insights. Okay. Now my next question is: yeah. What are the anticipated future directions for Chinese education? Oh yeah, uh, here are some potential directions based on my own perspective. And one one direction is about the digital transformation. It 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 is uh, it is issued by the our education department of China to 
integrate the digital technology into education,、uh, because China will、uh, continue its focus on digital transformation, because the integration of technology such as artificial intelligence, the big data analytics, the virtual reality, and augmented reality, these are very、uh, fantastic technologies that will surely change the education. So it will it will make the educa- educational ex- experience more、um, interesting and more、uh, vividly, and make make the students more engaged in those process. So、um, we we will de- develop more advanced AI powered ad- adaptive learning systems, some A- VR AR applications, and we can may provide some learning pl- platforms to to promote the personalized learning. Okay. And another、uh, potential directions is about well-rounded education. Yeah, because、uh, I, I don't know the situation in, in India, but in China and also like in some Eastern Asian countries like Japan or Korea, we emphasize too much on the on exams on the scores, right? So so it will surely just、uh, ignore some the other aspects of the students' development,、uh, like their、uh, physical health. Like the mental health, like their、uh, art,、uh, art skills, and、uh, their、uh, personal interpersonal skills, some something like that. So we we now、uh, emphasize more on the well-rounded education. Yeah. So to promote students' holistic development, like we emphasize more on physical education, on arts, on character education, and、uh, we provide provide more mental health support and.、Uh, Yeah, so so we are we are doing more, and we try to evaluate students more holistically, not only based on their scores, but 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 the but it's difficult, you know, it 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 matters to the the、um, fairness of education because we we still need the exams to to help us to select better students, right? So it's a problem. Okay, and another. Potential direction is about the student-centered or personalized learning. Yeah, because with the help of the technology, I think the, we can provide the the education more tailored to each student. Because students they are differs a lot across uh, uh, between each other, right? Some some students like learn faster, and some some students learn, learn slower. Some students like to. Uh, more, more like to read the text. Some, some more like to watch videos. They have different learning styles. They have different capacities, different competence. So we, it, for education, I think it's it's a big trend to provide more personalized uh, edu, edu,、uh, education. So with the help of technology, we can、uh, to let the content of the education to be adaptive to students. Personal characteristics, so so that that is a way about future education, and、uh, <clears throat> well, um, uh, the the last direction I want to mention is about the lifelong learning, lifelong learning because we 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 now realize that learning, uh, never never stops, you know. So we we go to even after students get their. Uh, undergraduate degree, their master degree or、uh, doctor degree, they still need to learn when they get to their work position to to learn new skills, 
to help them to to fulfill their job duty, right? So so lifelong learning is very important, and we are providing more learning opportunities to different to people at different uh, age age uh, age stage uh, at different age. So um, yeah, we we are providing more online learning materials and the resources and. Uh, so people like we have uh, the biggest uh, MOOC website uh, in in the world. So people with the as long as they want to learn something, want, want to learn some skills, they can get to the internet and to get to the website and to open some courses, to to start some courses they like. So so that is also future direction in China. Coming to your work. You have emphasized the significance of parents staying aware of their children's changing needs and continuously adapting their parenting approaches to ensure yes. their effectiveness as children grow. So, how yes. does parenting style affect youth's academic and emotional well-being, and which parenting practices have shown positive impact? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. You, I have done uh, several works, research works on the parenting, and the real and the parenting is really important and it matters a lot for youth academic and emotional well-being, especially for young children. Young children. Um, so, um, how does parents affect their their emotional academic well-being? I think academic and emotional well-being sometimes we treat treat them uh, independently. But sometimes they have some correlations, right? So um, at the parents, they are very, very important from the beginning of their children's life. Right? They are the, the most important caregivers. So and um, many research has found that um, a good relationship, parent-child relationship, is fundamentally important for the children's lifelong growth. Lifelong growth. So from the theory of attachment. If the parents they uh, are very caring, they are very responsive to children's need at very, from the early age, early stage of children's development. The children will will develop into a person, uh, become a more happy, more happy and more healthy. Not only physically healthy, but also mentally healthy, and they will become more more confident, more uh, more have higher self esteem. So simply put it, they will become a better person if parents are very loving and very responsive and provide some warmth to their children. So, so uh, that is for emotional well-being and the mental health. And on the other hand, uh, parents also matters a lot for children's academic well-being. Uh, yeah, academic well-being. Yeah, because if parents don't. Uh, Emphasize the importance of education. If parents don't have any requirement or demands for children's uh, children's education, then uh, the children may not may not become very engaged in their learning, and they will like miss the, their. Uh, they don't have a very long term goals for their academic development. So so in the long run, they they may not achieve a very successful or. Uh, a prospective, uh, prosperous life. Yeah. So, so parents matters a lot. So, uh, so the question is, so how to parent the children, right? So how the parents, how should the parents treat their children? That that's, that is a very tough issue. 
health issue. So, and many research has found that the most、uh, the ideal parenting style is called author authoritative parenting. So, it is featured with high warmth or responsiveness and high demands. So, which means that the parents they love their children. They they provide their、uh, emotional warmth and they. Uh, they show their love to their children. That they have very close parent-child relationships,、uh, and on the other hand, the parents also have um, uh, also have high requirement demands for their academic or other develop development. Like they,、uh, the parents set the uh, high de uh, high de demands for their、uh, academic performance and.、Uh, Also, the parents have some high demands for their character development. Like they, they require the children should be polite to to friends, to their family members. They require the students,、uh, their children, to be more responsible for themselves and for for their family members. And the parents uh, to uh, require more practices for their children to to discipline themselves. So. Um, so that is the most ideal parenting style. But but be honest. To be honest, it is also very difficult to put it into practice. So parents need to seek a balance between being both nice and strict to children. So、um, so in practice,、uh, parents should know where is the children's limit, right? So like for math. Uh, some ch some children may be discouraged if have they have,、uh, they did not get a very high score in their math exams. So what should parents do? So parents they can say that okay, it's fine. You you are not good math. Not everybody are good good at math. So you it's fine. You you just、uh, um, didn't get a high score. But on the hard on the other hand,、um, parents can also say that oh you you are not work hard enough and you should. You should be be、uh, have better have higher scores because you have the potential to achieve higher、uh, academic performance, right? So so I think, but it, it depends on depends on、um, what where is the limit of the children's uh, uh, their confidence, and、uh, the parents should encourage children to push their limit to become a better person every day. So so maybe if the children they. Didn't get a high score because of they are very careless. They careless. They they are not very、uh, careful when they are taking their exams. Then parents can help them to become more、uh, focused in when they are、uh, having their study. And the parents can uh, uh, provide some more、uh, practices to to encourage children to to do more more uh, uh, the quest math questions. So so. I think、um, parents should should find a find a balance, and、uh, we we cannot directly give some instructions to to parents what should they do because it depends on how their children are look like.、Right? So it depends on their children's uh,、um, characteristics. So yeah, and yeah, we 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 can talk more if we have chance to 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 <laughs> discuss the parenting issue. Yeah, it's it's really complicated. Okay, but we parents should to have uh, some uh, principles, uh, some basic principles about how to deal with children. 
it is it is not good to 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 become more uh, permissive to children. Love love too much, but don't have requirements, and uh, it it is also harmful to become more authoritarian, which is we have too much too high demands to for children and don't show their love, don't show their warmth to children. It, it will be also a problem. Okay. So June, in a recent research paper, you highlighted the importance of universities offering engaging academic and social events, providing support for students with special needs and creating a diverse learning environment in order to enhance student satisfaction. So my question yeah. is, what intervention strategies can be employed by educators to support positive socialization processes and improve the academic and emotional functioning of young students? Okay, thanks for the question. And uh, I think it is a very, very important question because we have done a whole bunch of research about how to how to in, uh, how to influence students. But but in the practice we need more interventions to really change the students to make them to to help them uh, deal with some difficulties in their education and to to help them to become better person, become more healthy. And more competent, become more, um, more self-reliant. So uh, I think there are some several interventions we can do to to help them to improve their academic and emotional functioning. One way is to uh, improve the family and the school cooperation. To cooperate, to let schools cooperate better with the families, because many problems of the children, like they have some problem behaviors and they have some mental health problems uh, not because the schools are not doing well but but it's it's, it's about the family or sometimes uh, or it's about the cooperation between the school and the family is not good yeah so so we need to have some intervention to uh, to promote the collaboration between family and the school yeah for 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 example if the students they um they're not uh, doing well in school, they they don't uh, take the lessons very seriously. It is because maybe their parents don't emphasize that. Yeah, so so parents should uh, let them let, let let their children know that uh, to doing good in their school is very important, and that the students may may take more actions to to behave themselves in school. So one way is about family school cooperation. Another way, um, and another very quite popular and successful way is about mindfulness, relaxation, relaxation intervention. So it 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 have um, it is carried out mostly in some schools with children have uh, very stressful and with children who are very have more uh, mental problems. Like as as far as I know, like I used to attend a, a academic conference. Uh, research conference in the Baltimore, Baltimore, where, where you, you know this place very well, right? Yes. So, yeah, it is a very risky city and the children in that city, they are very stressful about being attacked or something like that. So in Baltimore, there are many programs about mindfulness relaxation to let the, let the children to, uh, to really relax themselves and to, to be, feel more safe in school. So they they will be more attentive and be more focused for their learning. So and it it is also uh, 
helpful for some Chinese schools. More and more Chinese schools are uh, taking these interventions, like because Chinese students they are very stressful, especially for the middle school, high school students. They face the uh, the stress of taking the exams, the the college entrance or high school entrance exams, which is very important for the for the study. So so mindfulness and relaxation interventions are helpful. And also another intervention program program is uh, anti-bullying program, because the bullying problem is very serious across the world. I think not only in the United States but also in, in China. Uh, yeah, many students are suffer from from the bullying from other students. So the schools I think need to carry out more anti-bullying programs, uh, not only offline but there nowadays there are many cyber bullying. Events, right? Cyberbullying events uh, happened. So, so we we need to let students know the risk, know the harm of the bullying, uh, bullying behaviors. Not only for the victims, but also for for those who carry out the bullying activities. So, um, it is one way of intervention. And the the last uh, intervention program I want to mention is about the social emotional learning program. Uh, which, um, which just teaches students more skills, not only about about academic learning, but also about the skills like like self-regulation, their emotional regulation skills, um, their self-control techniques. So help them to uh, manage themselves well and know how to regulate their emotion, you know, emotional issues to to um, to stay stay mentally healthy. And also know how to they how to uh, c- collaborate, how to communicate with other people to to establish more healthy friendships, interpersonal relationships. So the social emotional learning programs are very important uh, interventions, and uh, more and more Chinese schools are taking these uh, interventions. Yeah. So my final question to you is related to the experience of loneliness among students during the transition from school to college, and how this loneliness can impact their confidence levels. So yeah. I want to ask you, how does the relationship between loneliness and self-esteem among college students change over time? Okay, thanks for the question. And our team just uh, uh, did uh, did a research on this topic, uh, like, and we published our paper last year. Last year, um, we we followed uh, like more than one thousand students from different universities in China uh, for for one year. For one year, we measured their loneliness and measured their self-esteem and conducted a longitudinal investigation. Uh, the, we used the data to to analyze the mutual influence uh, between the loneliness and the self-esteem. Yeah, so with the longitudinal data, we can we can exam we can examine the direction of effects because self team self esteem may affect their people's loneliness loneliness and the loneliness may uh, on the other hand may on the other hand affect their self esteem so so they, there might be mutual influence so we use those longitudinal data to disentangle the uh, influence of uh, the direction of influence, and uh, interestingly, we find that uh, loneliness, uh, uh, which means uh, high loneliness, may lead to 
lower self-esteem. So if people feel very lonely when they get into the college, uh, they may gradually feel worse about themselves. But on the other hand, self-esteem does not affect the change of their loneliness. Yeah, so which which means people's with high self-esteem, they did not become less lonelier. Uh, they, 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 yeah, they don't, don't become less lonelier. But other studies, some studies uh, based on the, some Western, Western students, college students, they found that high self-esteem may protect them from becoming lonely. Yeah, because uh, self self-esteem is more valued in the Western societies because uh, people who uh, have good feelings about themselves will are more likely to be, be welcomed by other people. But in, in China, in some of uh, our Eastern uh, Asian societies, uh, self-esteem is less valued, and we value more about the modesty or humbleness. So who, uh, people who are very humble and modesty, modesty, they are more likely to be liked by other people, and they may feel less lonelier less lonelier. But if people who have too high self-esteem or who are overconfident about themselves, they sometimes they may appear a little arrogant. And uh, yeah, so so other people may may not like the, these kind of people. So so high self-esteem of Chinese students, uh, Chinese students with very high self-esteem, they may not um, necessarily become less lonelier. So, so that that is our finding. So, we, I think the research, the the insights, uh, the research brought to to educators, is that uh, make students feel less lonely is very important, especially for those freshmen, college freshmen, because they get to a very the brand new environment. They have no friends there, and for for those students who have very poor uh, social skills, they may not very quickly find their uh, to to find some make some friends and they their this kind of loneliness feelings of loneliness may um, erode erode their esteem their confidence and then gradually they may have some uh, some very uh, more negative effects so um, yes that so, so for the universities they, they may organize more activities more chance for those students to, to make friends or give some lessons to to teach them how to make friends in in a different environment, and to establish some close relationships with others, and uh, I think it is very uh, important in, in Chinese universities uh, to for the students to have good relationship with their roommates, roommates because maybe different from the Western countries or the Chinese universities, the students live in dormitories with some roommates, some sometimes for for the whole whole undergraduate period. So getting a good relationship with the roommates is very important because they live together for a long time. So, um, yeah. So I think the, the, the educators in the universities, they should need to, uh, to be more attentive to these kind of issues. But making students feel uh, too confident about themselves is not, may, may not be a good way, may not be a good way. Something I think the modesty and humbleness are more, much more valued in China society. Yeah, so that that is my take for this issue. Thank you.
Professor Wei Jun, you have been an amazing guest on this journey. Our discussions have been enhanced by your wisdom and insights, igniting our curiosity and pushing us to grow. We want you to know how deeply grateful we are for your contributions. We eagerly look forward to reconnecting in the future when our conversations will continue to inspire and lead us towards new knowledge and understanding. Thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome. Yeah, it's my honor to attend the podcast and share my ideas with uh, the whole audience. Thank you. Thanks for listening.